Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, July 22nd. What a wonderful time to be a tennis fan. So much great tennis in the rearview mirror, I imagine. Like myself, many of you are still hungover from what was a fantastic fortnight at Wimbledon. Uh, But just because Wimbledon ended on Sunday does not mean the tennis world slept last week. And obviously we had three events on the ATP side in Newport, in Umag, in Bastad. Uh, Two events on the WTA side. We had, of course, the event in Bucharest, as well as the women's event in Gestad. Of course, something that if you've been listening to our mini breaks over the past week, you know we at Crack Rackets are getting so excited about the world team tennis season fully underway at this point. We've got a week of results, uh, to, a week of results to examine, to look at. There's already been a few trades. Feliciano Lopez leaving Orlando, going to the Philly Freedoms, who I believe they're sitting at five and one with that roster, looking awfully good to make another run at the final like they did last year. Uh, So I want to talk about all that, kind of reset the action from last week to get you listeners all caught up and ready for this week because we really have an exciting week of tennis ahead of us. Let's start on the ATP side in Newport, and I know Newport wasn't the most thrilling of events if you you know were monitoring all week long, obviously with the weather being as hot as it was on the American East Coast, those nasty conditions on a grass court led to nasty tennis just all the way around it. You can't say nasty tennis without mentioning our finalist here in Newport, um, Sasha Bublik, the young Kazakhstanian player, makes his first final of his ATP career along the way he knocks out players like Alex Bolt. Victor Troisky, Tennis Sandgren, Marcel Granoles before meeting up with number one seed John Isner, who had three three-set wins on his way to the final, but seems to have got started playing better and better as this week progressed. Obviously, listeners are aware John uh, injures his foot in Miami, was out until Wimbledon, came back Wimbledon, I believe made third round there. Uh, so not a terrible result, but he was defending, I believe, semifinal points. So uh, for him, he signs up, takes the wild card into Newport, and he gets another 250 title, I believe his fourth at the event. And you can understand why. John Isner does one, you know, does the things he does well, he does extremely well. The big serve, he'll follow it forward, he'll be aggressive, play tiebreaker tennis. And if you look at the field, you know, again, in the semifinal, he knocked out Wimbledon fourth rounder and a next-gen guy in Ugo Umberto to follow up a Wimbledon fourth round by making a semifinal on a grass 250 event. That's huge for his young career. Uh, you guys will see this week, uh, actually a little plug here, our 100th episode of the Great Chat Podcast. We passed the 100th episode in reality a little bit ago, but I hadn't recorded one with Max Rothman in a while, so the two of us got back on there, recorded what we're calling our 100th episode, breaking down the top 10 next-gen ATP seasons of 2019, breaking down our tiers of players, how we project their upside moving forward, who we think could be a slam champion, a top 10 player, top 25, top 50, on and on and on. A very fun podcast, as always. So I believe that's going to come out today as well with this mini-break listeners. So if you're interested in that, go give that a look. But Hugo Umbert was a guy I had in my honorable mentions. We record that podcast a week later. And you, I'm not going to give away the argument who number 10 was, but obviously the case for number 10 versus some of the other guys, very, very, very close. 
it's hard to argue he hasn't been one of the 10 most impressive young guys on the ATP side this year, uh, you know, propelling himself into that top 50. Now he gets the semifinal on top of the Wimbledon fourth round, really capitalized on a great grass season and has positioned himself very well for the summer hardcourt run. Now for Sasha Bublik, just two seconds on him and then I'll move on. And if you haven't noticed, just me today, we've got a lot of podcasts from last week, a lot planned for this week that we think will hold its own. So go give those a listen. Be on the lookout for that. So a little shorter version today, but I don't know how you can watch Sasha Bublik and not be entertained. He's almost like, and I'm sorry, it's it's like if Nick Kyrgios was a little more annoying, a little less talented, he would be Sasha Bublik. Sasha Bublik throws in, and maybe it's because they were on the grass. Maybe it's because he played Isner and Granoles and just wanted to get these bigger guys uncomfortable. But if you've watched a lot of him playing, and I like to think I have watched a lot because this is a guy who I think has won three or four challenger titles this year, just the drop shots, keeping his opponents off balance, all of these different things, that's how he excels. And you could see that throughout his week of play. He just keeps you so uncomfortable. And dare I say Newport plays more like a true grass hard, or true grass hard court, a true grass court than maybe Wimbledon, which everyone can play a little slower. No, in Newport, they're skids bad bounces, all of these things, and just the diversity of shot selection Bublik is capable of, his serve, you know, he's able to tee that up 130, 140 when he wants. He's an incredible talent, incredibly talented player. It's He's got Tomic-esque feel at times, but then again, he's got the, the live shoulder like Kyrgios does. It's just, again, another on the list of fascinating next-gen players to watch. And for him to make an ATP final, just a great way to start his American summer. Uh, Obviously now, I believe he'll move live ranking into that top 60 range, which for him should get him into every, you know, 250 event he wants to play. 500 event should get him into Cincy Qualies. And he's going to have a lot of opportunities for himself. So again, one of the many players, uh, next-gen guys, you should be monitoring if you are a fan of that sort of thing. All right, with that, spent a little longer on Newport than I expected. I apologize for that. We'll talk quickly about Umag Croatia. Their number one seed, Fabio Fognini, number two seed, Borna George, upset in the first round, leaving a wide-open draw. And what do you know? We have our 13th first-time ATP champion of the year, Dusan the Deuce Lajevic, a 7-5, 7-5 winner over Balaz, who I believe was a hometown wild card, or a hometown qualifier, and, oh uh, no, not a hometown qualifier, excuse me, a Hungarian player, but still to see him have this sort of run, always amazing when you watch a qualifier do that sort of thing. I mean, on the one hand, it's kind of weird that we're still playing on clay this late in the season, but on the other... I mean, the Deuce has showed this level all year long. He makes a Masters final. Was it in Madrid when he lost to Fognini, but on the clay? So clearly that confidence on the surface has translated to this point of the year. And it's a well-earned title for the 29-year-old. He has been hovering around that top 50, top 75 range for so long. And to do that without taking, you know, you think one week the cards will break right, you'll play well, uh, the draw will open up perfectly for you, and you'll have opportunities to win a 250 title, and obviously he hadn't had that. So for him to get his first title, a testament to the type of season he's been having, a testament to his sort of perseverance, and a credit to him. Good job. I, you know, we're very excited to see the Deuce get a title. Again, not sure what I think about the clay being played on this late in the year, but still great result for him. Our last result on the ATP Tour that we want to talk about, Bastad. 
Uh, good results there again all around. A little bit more of an open draw. Christian Guerin, a guy, again, we'll talk about in our 100th episode if you want to go give that a listen of the GSP. Uh, who's had a great year. He loses first round to Jeremy Chardy, who seems to finally be turning the corner. Uh, number two seed, Fernando Verdasco, also a first round loser to Albert Ramos Vinoles. So again, we had a wide open draw. And in the final, Nicolas Jerry, the Chilean player who I believe we saw make three ATP finals on clay at the uh, end of last year. Again, this resulted in Bastad on clay. Wins in ATP titles, 7-6-6-4 over Juan Ignacio Landero. I mean, Nicolas Jerry, we've talked about it. Uh, big serve, big forehand, big weapons can really make you uncomfortable on a tennis court. And just for a week straight, he seemed to find that serve plus one rhythm. He seemed to take control. He had an open draw, you know, first round lax. And then second round, Mikhail Yimmer, the younger of the two Swedish Yimmer brothers, both very talented, but still guides uh, Mikhail not as experienced at this point as Jerry. So straight sets there. Straight sets over Chardy in the quarters. Straight sets over Delbanis in the semifinals. Straight sets in the finals. This was an incredible week for Nicolas Jari. And we've talked about him before, but you see the upside. You see what he's capable of when he plays his best tennis. Just the way he's able to assert himself, the way he's able to take control of points. It's very hard to beat him when he plays his best. And that sort of innate quality note, I don't want to compare it to the, the Djokovic, Federer, Nadal's, Murray's of the world, because they're in their own category. But we've seen guys, you know, who have been in the top 20, top 15 for a long time who can just dominate because of the way they're able to control points, control their serve, you know, Tsonga-esque in the way he's able to play aggressive. Maybe not as athletic, not as creative, but I'm saying that sort of dominance that is an important character trait to display this early in Jari's career. You know, he's 22 years old, I believe, maybe 23. Great result for him, so really happy to see that. Um, but with that in mind, let, let's kind of look at the, the ATP events we have going on this week. Uh, we've got, obviously, as I mentioned, the, the U.S. Open Series kickoff in Atlanta, the Americans in the draw, Taylor Fritz, the two-seed, Kevin King, a qualifier, Jack Sock making his return as a wild card against Kestmenovic, who's had an incredible world tennis se- uh, team tennis season. So that'll be interesting. Colt Gromley, a wild card, Dennis Kudla, Francis Tiafo against Bernard Tomic, round one, Klon against Kopel, Sandgren, Elbat, Opelka, Bublik. That'll be a fun one. The winner of that, of course, getting John Isner in round two. So all eyes on that. It's going to be a really fun week. And then, you know, there is an ATP 500 this week happening in Hamburg. You look the number, again on clay, number one seed Dominic Team, number two seed Alex Zverev, both first round losers at Wimbledon. I'm sure they're both happy to get back on the dirt for Zverev. He's going to match up with Nicolas Jari, who he beat in a final 7-6 in a third set earlier in the year. Now for Jari, I'm sure he's got sore legs, but that is going to be one heck of a match. Uh, Fabio Fognini back in the draw here is the number three seed against Julian Lenz. Just a lot of fun, you know, Casper Ruud, Cole Schreiber, uh, Julian Lenz, a, coll- a former college player, Baylor guy. So that's exciting for me. Davidovich Fokina, another young guy. Just really good tennis going on this week. And then our last uh, ATP event uh, in Gestad this week for the men. Uh, we have RBA as the one seed, Munar in the draw. Yuri Vesley had some success at Wimbledon. Fernando Verdasco, the number two seed. So not as heavy of a draw there, but still always great to add to the pool of tennis. Um, with that, let's look real quickly at the WTA side as well because there were two results there last weekend in Bucharest, Romania. 
uh, Elisa Rabakina, or sorry, Elisa Elena Rabakina, unseeded on the week, wins a WTA title in the final against a fellow unseeded player and qualifier Patricia Teague of Romania. Now you look in this draw, uh, the one seed Sevastova lost second round to eventual finalist Teague. You look at the two seed Kuzmova, she wins a match before losing to eventual champion Rybakina in the quarterfinal round. I mean, not a lot of t- Sevastova, yes, in the draw, but not a ton of top 10 players playing right now on the WTA side. A little bit more spread out, it feels, than the men, at least at this point. You know, two versus three events. They now have the three events this week really kicking off. Um, but still, fatigue for, obviously, uh, Rybakina, great. Anytime you can get a title, I mean, it goes without staying. Um, you take advantage of these opportunities, and for Rybakina, she loses, no, I believe, no sets on the weekend and, and ends up getting to win 2-0 and in the fi- final. I mean, this is how you want to start out the summer portion of year. You know, once you hit the summer, there's not really enough of a break between Clay and Wimbledon to separate them into different parts, but this is really the home stretch. This is when you're piling on the points because there's so many opportunities to play, and for Rybakina to get a title this early, just a huge result for her. Uh, let's move to Gestad, where, as I mentioned, the women were playing last week. Number one seed Julia Gorges knocked down the first round against Simona Waltert. Number two seed Caroline Garcia wins her first round match but loses second round to Bernardo Pera. The, the American Pera ends up making the semifinal before losing to Fiona Farrow, our eventual champion, who was a 6-1-2-6-6-1 winner over number three seed Alize Cornet. Um, again, not the most loaded of draws. We're not seeing Halops of the world. We're not seeing the Keys or the Stevens. A lot of them playing world team tennis, by the way. So if you miss those players, go give that a look. Um, but we have a lot of, again, so many actions, uh, so many matches in place, so many opportunities to see these players. And you look at the events this week. I lied. Only two events on the women's side. Our first event on the WTA side were in Yermala, Latvia. Uh, where we've got Sevasova again in action as the number one seed. Caroline Garcia, again, the number two seed. You're looking through the, the draw. You've got Sasnovich as the four seed. Bernarda Pera, Ostapenko, round one. That'll be fun. Potapova, Teague back in the draw. Sinyakova, the number three seed. We look at our other event on the day in Palermo, Italy. Uh, again, not the most loaded of draws, but Kiki Burton's the number one seed. Love to see that. Kuzmova, the three seed, Parm, uh, Parmentier, the number five seed, obviously number two seed, Alize Cornet coming off of last week's results. She's got some rhythm going into this. So it's going to be a loaded week of tennis. The only other topic I want to talk about and the reason I want to bring it up real quickly because, again, last week I was privileged enough to have Vegas Rollers head coach Tim Blinklion, and I apologize for trying to do a faux Australian accent, but me saying his last name in an Australian accent sounds way better than when I try and say it in my normal Midwestern accent. So, again, Vegas Rollers World Team Tennis head coach Tim Blinklion was kind enough to come on the podcast, as was Orange County Breakers uh, general manager. Alan Hardison to talk about this WTT season. Uh, We've talked about it enough there, so I'll only say briefly, team tennis, guys. There's trades. There's free agencies. We get to see these people in that sort of environment that is so rare for tennis. Everyone who loves Laver Cup, Hopman 
Cup, Davis, and Fed Cup. I promise you, you will enjoy watching your team tennis match uh, if you give it a chance. Obviously, they're on CBS Sports Network now. They're on ESPN+. Plus. If you bought ESPN+, Plus for Wimbledon, you still have till the end of this month. Watch some world team tennis. Take advantage of that, baby, because you, you've got the account. You might as well watch. And again, such good tennis. You look, players, you know, Taylor Fritz, Sam Query, John Isner, uh, Sloan Stevens, Whitney Osigwe, Madison Keys, just Abby Spears and Asia Mohammed. So many great American talents. There's also, you know, Feliciano Lopez, Ulysses Blanche, I didn't even mention. Um, obviously, Victoria Azarenka. Just, I could go on and on and on, but just a quick update where we're at in the world team tennis standing. So, we opened the weekend, opened the season on the East Coast this week. We're kicking it out west. So, later match times for you, like night birds like me, who it's a perfect way to cap off your night, a little world team tennis. We look at the standings. Rough start for the Castles and the Rollers. Washington Castles 0-5. Vegas Rollers 2-5 for Vegas. No query, no Bryans early on, so they're really still trying to find their rhythm. Orlando Storm 2-5. Again, Vegas and Orlando, the two new teams, but Orlando recently trading Lopez. Again, we haven't seen Madison Keys play for them yet. A lot of roster turnup. There's still a long way to go in the season, but you look for that battle for the top four spots. Number number five right now, Orange County Breakers, only two and two on the year, so they have played far fewer matches than anyone else. They really are still right in the thick of things. And then in the three and four spots right now, San Diego Aviators, New York Empire, but the teams that look to be on a collision course right now to a rematch of last year's World Team Tennis Finals. The 6-1 Philadelphia Freedoms, who, as I mentioned, add Feliciano Lopez to a stacked roster of Adrian Manorino, Adrian Menendez, Macieris, Danielle Collins, Donald Young, Mitchell Kruger, uh, Taylor Townsend, Tommy Paul. If you're asking me which roster I like the most, dare I say, and with all due respect to all the coaches I've interviewed, the Philly Freedoms look poised to to just make up for last year's 1918 tiebreaker loss in the finals to the Lasers. But the Lasers have been, you know, they've been battling a 22-20 victory in their first match later in the week, 1918 over the Vegas Rollers. They're living on the edge a little bit. Young player, as I mentioned, Miomir Kasmanovic has looked great, but the duo of Roger and Spears in mixed doubles, as solid as any mixed doubles team in the league, I mean, look, they've built themselves a nice bracket. They are on a collision course, but give me another half week of results to look. Again, these San Diego Aviators with Vico, with, um, uh, not Vico, with, sorry, Taylor Fritz just in the mix. Uh, I'm fascinated. I'm all in is what I'm trying to say. So please, listeners, give World Team Tennis a, a look. Again, if you want to hear more from some of these players, Vegas Rollers coach Tim Blinkion. Uh, Alan Hardison, GM of the Orange County Breakers, both kind enough to come on, talk about the World Team Tennis season, what you fans should be excited for, and, and what there is to watch, because it's really an exciting season. But with that said, again, be on the lookout for our 100th episode of the Great Shot Podcast, Max Rothman and I, Top 10 Next Gen ATP Seasons of 2019. Uh, check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. You know the deal, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Like, rate, subscribe, review, follow. We want to hear from you. Uh, Rothman has some spicy... Actually, to be honest, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the point is we want to hear what you think about the World Team Tennessee's and about these young next-gen players, all of the above. So please reach out to us. We would love to do a mailbag edition if we get enough fan mail from readers. Uh, but with that being said, a shout-out to the super producers, as always, Max Flickner, Daniel Westoff, who have a f***ing editing job to do. But... 
for my super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, for our entire team at Cracked Rackets. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It's going to be a fun week of tennis, so be sure to stick around. But you know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.